Well, church just shouldn't be this much fun. <laughs> We're currently mining the wealth of wisdom in the book of Proverbs, trying to apply all we can as it relates to three areas that most influence where we're going to wind up in life. Our sexual purity, our speech, and our friendships. And being wise and disciplined in these three areas of our lives today will result in living a life without regrets, a blessed life tomorrow. So far, we've studied sexual purity and speech, and now on this final weekend, we want to focus on our friends. One of the most popular television sitcoms of all time began in 1994 and lasted 10 seasons, and I am probably the only person on planet Earth that never saw a single episode of Friends. I don't have any idea what I was doing on Thursday evenings during that decade, but I just... Missed out, I guess. Not really. Friends is a weekly storyline of three guys and three gals living life in Greenwich Village, New York. Now, attesting to the show's popularity, something like 25 million regular viewers, is the fact that the stars were each paid $750,000 per episode in seasons 7 and 8 and a million dollars per episode in seasons 9 and 10. And that's in 2000, 2004 dollars. Why was there so much interest in this particular show? Well, I think it might have to do with the fact that people wanted to watch and see how others struggle through the challenge of maintaining friendships as they argue and accommodate, as they make up and break up, even if those friendships were fabricated and scripted, people are curious. But I tend to think it was also something else. I think it was the fact that people have a deeply felt need for good friends, and friendships have been negatively affected in the last few decades as we have moved from being rural to becoming more urban, as we have moved from being industrial to being more informational, as we have moved from being a Christian nation to being a post-Christian nation. So here are some of the things that are negatively affecting friendships today. One is technology. Technology is hindering friendship today. The more high-tech we become, the more low-touch we become with one another. And cell phones have caused us to be more into ourselves than ever before. If you need to be convinced, just look around. The next time you go out to eat, a couple will come into a restaurant. They'll sit down across from each other, immediately pull out their cell phones and start scrolling, suspending communication or interaction with their companion. And then video games and video entertainment are consuming more and more hours that could be invested in building friendships. So technology has affected friendships. The second thing that has affected friendships negatively is business. In America, according to the pollsters, 70% of us say that we have very few close friends. And the rat race that we live day in and day out causes us to to just give up and to go ahead and live with our loneliness. A well-known media personality was recently quoted as saying, friendship is an occupation. 
I can be a good friend or I can have a career, but I cannot do both. One lady recently said, three of us wanted to get together. We called and texted each other back and forth for days trying to set something up a month from now. And every 24 hours, over 100,000 people in America move geographically. And engineers and scientists and MBAs change jobs an average of four times in a decade. And we've got more time spent in commuting, more time spent working a second job, taking care of a second family, going to kids' activities. There's a little friend, little time left for friends. James Taylor sings that 70s song, You've Got a Friend, and the lyrics go, Winter, spring, summer, or fall, all you have to do is call, and I'll be there. Now, if that song were written today, it would have lyrics that go like this. Winter, spring, summer, or fall, all you have to do is text, and I'll pencil you in two weeks from next Thursday. <laughs> Julie Hoover, a former vice president of ABC, said, I'm so overbooked, my definition of a friend is someone who doesn't call me. So... So even though we have this felt need for good friends, it's become optional, optional for millions of us. Now, I have not made a comprehensive study of it, but I'm pretty confident that, that the Bible has as much to say about interpersonal relationships as it does about theology and doctrine. And Proverbs, more than any other book, speaks to us about the value that our Creator places on friends and Proverbs also provides us with the practical wisdom we need to choose true friends. Bottom line, we need friends, and we need to be wise in selecting our friends. A young man at college sat down to text his dad, hoping to shake some shekels out of him. He said, Dear Dad, I'm 300 miles from home, I'm flat broke, and I have no friends. What should I do? The dad wrote back, Dear son, make some new friends. Not easy to do. Casual friends are easy to make. Casual friends are more the result of circumstances, but close friends are the result of a choice. Close friends are the result of an investment of an intentional effort. But you've got to be careful in your choosing. Look at Proverbs 12, 26. It says, A righteous man is cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. See, the reason we need to be careful is because we often become like the people that we hang around with. According to Proverbs 13, 20, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Here again, warning about how close friends can either regenerate or degenerate your life. Your companions can be a source of encouragement or discouragement where your quality of life is concerned. One of the things that is communicated to prisoners before they're released is the counsel that they are to make some new friends. Be careful about your choice of friends. Don't go back to the old crowd. If you go back to the old crowd, chances are you'll reoffend and you will be reincarcerated. Make some new friends. Proverbs 22, verse 25 says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man, 
Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways, and get yourself ensnared. So, friendship with an angry person, friendship with a bitter person can influence your own disposition, can influence your own attitude, and cause you to be caught in a trap. And how many times have people acted in anger and done something that resulted in literal incarceration? So recognizing the power of friendship to either build us up or to break us down. That's what we're talking about here. The application of the wisdom in Proverbs is that each of us might seek the right kinds of friends and that we might be the right kind of friend to others. That's the dual application here today. To be careful about your choice of friends and also be careful that you are the kind of friend that someone can choose. And Proverbs identifies three types of friends, and they are these. First of all, false friends, and then faithful friends, and finally, a forever friend. First, Proverbs identifies false friends. Proverbs exposes the character of false friends who are not, and they will not be there for you. And sadly, sometimes these false friendships double as your own blood relatives. They're part of your family circle. And the fact is, sometimes friends can be selfish. False friends are selfish. It's hard to build a relationship with someone who is often thinking of himself or herself. Someone who is argumentative. Look at Proverbs 18, verse 1. Unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. The Common English Bible puts it like this. They look out for themselves. They bicker with sensible people. A few weeks back, there was a man in weekend worship here at Crossroads, an off-and-on attendee, who disliked the opening worship song. So during the meet-and-greet time, he turned around to the couple behind him and gave him an earful. He was outspokenly critical. Thankfully, it was one of our elders and his wife, <laughs> not guess. But he was gruff. He was rude. It didn't matter to him if anyone else was blessed or edified. He didn't like it. And there was something he didn't like about church that weekend, and he wanted to be sure that everyone around him knew it. Never mind that worship isn't entertainment for us, it is an offering to our Lord. Never mind that we all worship when we come together before an audience of one, and not the approval of every one of the 3,500 people who assemble in our worship center and in our chapel on a weekend. There's a reason why self-centered people tend to be alone a lot. They alienate people. They repel people who could, who could be friends. False friends also will sometimes exploit you. They'll use you to get what they want for themselves and usually break things off when they've taken what they want. Proverbs 19.4 says, wealth brings many friends. And we know that's true. Every time you see a, a starlet, every time you see a well-known famous musician, some kind of a, a political... Uh, 
person on the rise, they usually have an entourage, don't they? Wealth brings many friends. But a poor man's friend deserts him. I wonder if you've ever been in a relationship with someone who was only interested in what he or she could get from you, financially, materially, socially, politically, sexually. If you're in a relationship like this, you'll need to establish some boundaries and refuse to be taken advantage of because there are people out there who are professionals when it comes to exploiting others. Ed Reynolds is a name from my past that comes to mind. He shamelessly and financially exploited virtually every Christian he met and every church he entered. Now, there's a difference between someone who has a legitimate need and someone who's making his living as a panhandler. I have never seen Ed in the company of another person. He's now in his late 50s. He has wandered alone through life in part because he used anyone who got near him. False friends will also talk behind your back. Be careful about befriending a person who likes to spill the beans about you to other people. Proverbs 20 verse 19 provides us with some practical wisdom here. A gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid a person who talks too much. And the image is very vivid here in the Hebrew language. That phrase betrays a confidence. It was used to describe the stripping off of the armor of captives when they had been defeated. So if you've ever experienced being victimized by gossip, you know what it feels like. It it feels like you're vulnerable. It feels like you are defenseless. So don't put yourself in harm's way when it comes to a person who strips you of your dignity, who strips you of your reputation with their disloyalty. This is a false friend. Well, finally, a false friend will lead you astray. By the time I was a sophomore in high school, I began to make friends with the upperclassmen in my public school. I did not yet have a driver's license or a car, but soon I was invited to join them for drag races and drinking and smoking. And although I never drank or smoked, I was influenced by their dress, by their defiant attitude toward authority, the bullying, the cussing, the crude humor. One Sunday in May, I skipped out on church to go with the group to Kickapoo State Park to swim and picnic. Now, the no swimming signs were up, but that didn't matter to us. So I climbed up to the top of a cliff to dive off. Longer story shorter, I dove too shallow, and I split my head open and spent a couple of days in the hospital, and I'm so glad that the Lord has continued to fertilize my hair because my dome would not be nearly as pretty as David Reinhardt's is, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, while I was in the hospital, the doctor came in, sat down beside my bed, looked me right in the eye, and Dr. Kolb said, Ken, one inch, one inch, this way, 
forward or this way backward and you would have broken your neck. And God had my attention. Later that summer at age 16, I recommitted my life to the Lord and I've never looked back. Listen, I didn't know it, but the world was getting its hooks into me through a poor choice of friends. And this isn't a new phenomenon. Take a look, Proverbs 23, 19. Listen, my child. Be wise and give serious thought to the way you live. Don't associate with people who drink too much wine. And then Proverbs 24, verse 21. Fear the Lord, my child, as well as the king, or as well as the law. That's what he's talking about here. Fear the Lord as well as the law. Don't associate with those who are rebellious. Disaster comes suddenly from them. From whom? Well, from the Lord and from the law. If you're living a rebellious life, disaster is going to come from them. It's going to be visited on you. Who can know the ruin that both the Lord and the law together can bring? So, two application points here. Don't choose a friend who's selfish. Don't choose one who will consistently take advantage of you. Don't choose one who, who will talk behind your back. Don't choose one who will lead you astray. And don't be a friend who's self-centered or exploitative or gossipy or a bad influence. All right, we are done with that. On to something more positive. Away with the false friends. Let's talk about the faithful friends from Proverbs. When Howard Hughes was worth $4 billion with a B dollars, he said, I would give it all for one good friend. And Howard Hughes needed a good friend. When he died, he died with his hair grown out like some kind of a beast. He had a head full of rotten teeth. His fingernails and toenails grown out like some kind of an animal. And the only people around him when he died were bloodsuckers who wanted their piece of his high it would have been a good trade four billion dollars for one good friend good deal good trade proverbs gives us a composite picture of what a faithful friend looks like i think there are about seven traits that i could trace in the book of proverbs and the first one is a faithful friend is loving makes sense doesn't it proverbs 17 17 a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. A faithful friend is one whose love for you is strong. As strong as a blood relative, sometimes stronger. This is someone you can count on, especially when you're going through a hard life passage. They don't step back in times of trouble. They step up. And trouble or adversity always has two origins. It either comes from within us in the form of temptation and a bad choice that we have made, or it comes from around us in the form of trials, bad events over which we have no control. But regardless of whether it was sin, that is our fault, or whether it is suffering, no fault of ours, a faithful friend will be there with consideration, with compassion. And this gives me a chance to plug our small groups at Crossroads. We've got this fantastic network of small groups. And it's where these kinds of friendships are established and enjoyed. And I cannot tell you how many times I've heard stories from our people who were encouraged or comforted by faithful friends in their small 
group. We have the blessing of our large assemblies with great praise and worship, but we also have this network of small groups where you can build these mutual friendships, where you can experience this mutual loyalty, where you can uh, experience this mutual ministry. Well, here's something else about faithful friends. They're consistent. Proverbs 27, verse 10, Do not forsake your friend and the friend of your father. So what does that mean? Well, first of all, a faithful friend, somebody who knows you and accepts you, warts and all. He or she has seen you at your best and they've seen you at your worst and it makes no difference to them. And this is a friend, this consistent friend is a friend who takes an interest in your family. You see, they don't want to just show you their family pictures. They ask to see yours as well. And this friend remembers the people in his past as well as the people in his present. He doesn't burn friendship bridges. He doesn't have disposable friendships. This friend is predictable. He is dependable. He's consistent. Here's another trait of a faithful friend. He is forgiving. She is forgiving. Proverbs 17, 9. He who covers over an offense promotes love. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Maybe the best test of friendship is the forgiveness factor. Because spending a lot of time with people is going to mean that you inevitably hurt them. Sometimes it'll be unintentional. Maybe sometimes intentional. And a faithful friend will cut you some slack, will understand, will extend grace to you. They won't badmouth you, and they won't seek to gain sympathizers for themselves by telling other people how you offended them. Now, I think men are often better examples of covering over an offense. Friday and Saturday, a week ago, I went with a group of 20 of our Crossroads guys on an annual golf overnighter. I play twice a year, once for the Christian Life uh, Invitational and once with these Crossroads guys, and this year I'm going to add the point man uh, golf tournament because I want to support these causes. But I am not a regular golfer. So here we played. On fr- Nobody wants a pastor who's a good golfer anyway, you know. So, <laughs> so on a Friday, we, we played 27 holes. And then we got up the next Saturday morning and played 18 holes. Now, <clears throat> you can't believe the way we guys talk to each other on this kind of an outing making fun of each other's hair color and hair loss, making fun of each other's clothes. Joe Castle wore these outlandishly loud Bermuda shorts. You have to know we had fun with that. We said, Joe, don't plug those things in. We couldn't take it. Of course, then the guys in the group found out that my golf shoes were bought in 1973. Those golf shoes are 42 years old, and originally (laughs) they had metal spikes. And then they made fun of my driver. It was a gift from my friend Bill Agnew, but that driver has a name inscribed on it, Big Bertha. (laughs) 
so I suffered some abuse for that. And then they made fun of my golf balls that were actually a gift from my friend Mark Hubbard, but these golf balls had Betty inscribed on them. So I'm, I'm hitting off the tee with Big Bertha. I'm putting with a golf ball named Betty. Now, I'll tell you, I had to cover over a lot of offense when I was with my friends that weekend. And several times I thought, what in the world would happen if women spoke to each other the way we men do? Ay, 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 ay. But being generous with your forgiveness, it'll help you make friends, and it'll help you keep friends. Well, faithful friends are also trustworthy. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Psychology Today's survey of more than 40,000 Americans revealed that the quality most valued in a friend is the ability to keep confidences. George Eliot writes, Oh, the inexpressible comfort of feeling safe with a person, having neither to weigh thoughts nor measure words, but to pour them all out just as they are, chaff and grain together, knowing that a faithful hand will take them and sift them, keep what is worth keeping, and then, with the breath of kindness, blow the rest away. Faithful friend is also a sharpening influence. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Bill Hybels talks about the three kinds of people in our lives. He describes them as replenishers. These are the people who fill us up. We never have enough time with them, and the time spent with them always goes by too fast. Then over on this side are the drainers, the people who take away more than they add to us, the people who sap our strength, the people who can make time stand still. <laughs> and then in between, he says, there are the ciphers. These are the people that, that are most of the people in our lives. They don't necessarily add or take away anything. Here's what he says. He says, you need to balance the first two. You need to balance the replenishers in your life and the drainers in your life. We need people who will replenish us, and we need people whom we can replenish. People we need and people who need us. In other words, we should have friends who rub off on us and we should be rubbing off on others without letting them rub us the wrong way. Faithful friends are also sensitive. Proverbs 25, verse 17. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you <laughs> and he will hate you. Well, that's... That's said in jest. It's a little satirical, but, but we get the point, don't we? It means that if you spend every waking hour with your friends, they're going to get tired of you. Familiarity can breed contempt, and a healthy relationship needs to breathe. That's even true of husbands and wives, parents and children. A healthy relationship needs to breathe. I recently learned that being sensitive to friends includes not waking them up when they are overnight guests at your house with the early morning singing of Mule Skinner Blues at the top of your lungs. That can really make your friends turn on you when you do that. Finally, faithful friends are honest. Proverbs 27, verse 5, 
Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. A faithful friend will tell you the truth when you need to hear it. Oscar Wilde said it this way, a true friend always stabs you in the front. Truth-telling can be a good thing. Thank God for the person in your life who will tell you the truth about yourself. If it's delivered in the right spirit and if it's received with the right attitude. And faithful friends speak to us for our benefit and also for theirs. According to Proverbs 28, 23, he who rebukes a man will, in the end, gain more favor than he who has a flattering tongue. I'll never forget an encounter with a college professor my freshman year in college. I was walking down the hall one day. He pulled me into an office and he said, Eidelman, you have everything it takes to be a flash in the pan. Now, first... I was pretty offended. Who is he to call me by my last name? And he doesn't really know me. I'm only a freshman here. But I reflected on that moment. I reflected on his words, and I decided, I determined that I would never let his words describe me. I would never be shallow. I would never take shortcuts in life. And that mentor who saw something in me that needed correction... He's still in my life today. We probably email back and forth once a month. We became good friends. He's 80 years old now and just retired from active ministry. One more thing today. False friends, faithful friends, and a forever friend. God doesn't want you to find complete satisfaction and happiness in your earthly relationships. You'll never completely find what you're looking for in a husband, in a wife, even your most faithful friends. Look at Proverbs 18, 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You think you have to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend to be happy? <laughs> Do you think you'll only be content if you're married? Or when you have children? Listen, people who pin their hopes on other people will be disappointed at best and be miserable at worst. Charles Spurgeon said, He who would be happy here in this world must have friends, and he who would be happy hereafter must above all things have the friend in the world to come. We need a friend who will never leave us or forsake us. And uh, the longer we live, the more we realize that eventually we will leave our friends or our friends will leave us. The same with our families. We cannot hold on to them. So... Do you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother, a friend who will never leave you or forsake you? That friend, there's only one. That friend is Jesus. Do you know him today? Does he know you today? That's what it's about. It's not about the church. It's not even about Christianity. It's about, about Jesus as Savior. And Lord and friend, what a friend 
we have in Jesus.